welcome. Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week, the week of October 29th and the week of Halloween is so super packed. We'll be talking a bit about The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, which had its 20th anniversary this week, the surprise mini direct, the Pikmin 3 deluxe review, Pokemon the Crown Tundra, and a lot more. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Tom Marks. Hello. Pear Snyder. Hey, I got to put on my mask for social distancing first. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and special guest, Adele Harmon, back to talk about Pokemon and everything else. Ooh, it was ideal the whole time. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Man, you moving your head side to side like that, 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 was, that was the right type of creepy. That, oh. that got me. <laughs> Gotta do the <laughs> dance. No. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's good as it gets. But uh, yes, we have a lot to talk about. But first, I just wanted to start off by saying we are having a giveaway sponsored by the wonderful people over from Bakugan Champions of Vestoria, which is a um exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. And all you have to do is subscribe to Nintendo Voice Chat on YouTube and email us at nbc at ign.com with the subject line bakugan champions of astoria nintendo switch sweepstakes and that's bakugan with the colon we will have the exact subject line in the article and in the description if it is not the exact subject line i will not see your email so Whoa, course, <laughs> just, Casey. i'm i'm gonna search i'm going to search that email subject line exactly and i will only see those so that's mm. and we're gonna randomly choose based on those subject lines you have until november 4th at 12 a.m pacific time to send us that email one winner will receive a nintendo switch system a byakugan switch skin that's not a special edition switch that is a, a skin on top of a regular switch and the game byakugan champions of Destroya. And 10 other winners will receive the skins for their Switch. So, and also this is only open to United States. But yeah, enter that contest. Maybe you'll win a Nintendo Switch. Nice Christmas present. Who, everyone needs an extra Switch, right? It's cool. (laughs) All right. But anyway, let's continue with the show. And the first thing we're going to talk about, just a short but spooky retrospective on Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask came out in North America, October 26, 2000. So 20 years ago this week and i'm sure a lot of you know this is one of my favorite games ever and as you can see from paranodel they they like it too and i assume tom also likes majora's mask at least a little bit and if not that's fine too no he's shaking oh yeah likes majora's mask all right i didn't didn't like it as much as a kid because it was harder than a rock arena of time it was but i like it in retrospect cool and that's all we need but it was actually released in japan on april 27th but we're all in the U.S., so this is the anniversary to us. So we're doing it now. Um, I wanted to go a little bit over some of the history of Majora's Mask. And so I'm not talking this entire time. I was wondering if maybe Pear knows a little bit about the history. Yeah, I remember it. covering it. Yeah. So after yeah. Ocarina of Time came out, um, can you guys hear me OK? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, OK, cool. Uh, after Ocarina of Time came out, um, Nintendo publicly said that it takes them a very long time to make games, and now they figured out a way to make games faster. And hmm. uh, the first, the first game that was going to be turned around faster for the N sixty four was going to be that you know the game that would become Majora's Mask, which was uh, called Zelda Gaiden at one uh, one point side story. And the whole idea behind it was that they would reuse the engine, the assets, even characters, some, you know, some music and stuff from Ocarina of Time and create this game much, much faster, but have it feel like a new quest in that same, uh, same, uh, you know, 
Hyrule that we saw in, in Ocarina of Time. That didn't happen. <laughs> they, they did reuse a bunch of the characters, right? But it yeah. became this Alice in Wonderland story where the characters are recast and it's almost like Link, you know, young Link is dreaming this whole thing. Um, and it turned out very different. Uh, like the, just the whole construct of the game is completely different. It is. And I know that it kind of came across because, as you just said, that other version of Zelda, I think that eventually became Master Quest, right? That's basically. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 we were never sure if that was the same project or a different one. The Master like Quest one they used to call the Master Quest one they used to call Uda Zelda. Okay. Uda meaning, uh, you know, it's like this this another Zelda, which was supposed to be for the 64DD, take Ocarina of Time and remix a lot of stuff. And like the Master Quest game we got it and maybe very different because obviously 64DD can store a lot of data on it. Well, a lot by back then, by the standards back then, 64 megs. Um, uh, for for the the discs, but um yeah, so we got we got two very different uh, side quests, if you will. Yeah, and Majora's Mask was made in only a single year, which is incredibly. I, I think it's really impressive considering how great it is. Like what? I guess they did already have all the assets, but it did also use the expansion pack, which Ocarina of Time didn't, which made the graphics a little bit better. And this was also kind of a challenge that Miyamoto put to Eiji Onuma, who was the dungeon designer for Ocarina of Time, because he didn't want to do that second quest immediately after making Ocarina of Time and like remix his own dungeons that he just did. So I guess the story is that Miyamoto said, well, if you make a whole new Zelda game in a year, then you don't have to do the second quest. And so they did. <laughs> and they did Majora's Mask. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's interesting if you go back to the original N64 version, obviously a lot of people played remake, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you go to the N64 version, the original, you can tell it's a little rough around the edges. There are areas in the game that run really slow. There's some, you know, some texture work. Uh, you know, if you think about the, the whole Deku Palace that almost looked garish. Um, where you can tell that game really wanted another year in development, but um, it's pretty amazing that just the what they were able to pull off, off with the um, you know the the time setup and the different quests to pull that off that fast was was pretty nuts. Odell, do you want to give us a a recap of your favorite story beats of Majora's Mask? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um... Uh, the one with the two lovers is obviously a fan favorite and it's my personal favorite too. So as a child, I never made it past the Deku Palace because I don't know if I was smart enough or I didn't understand the mechanics. So I had to revisit it as an adult. So I got to enjoy all the themes for the first time as an adult. And that one was just, just hit me hard. And, you know, people always talk about it, how, you know, at the end, they're just kind of accept their fate and then the world explodes. And then the one with the UFO, that's kind of my favorite oh. one just because... <laughs> So, I don't know if you remember, there was a rumor about there was always aliens in Zelda's game. So, I didn't, I was like, is this at that rumor? I don't know if that rumor existed in Japan, but here, people always said there were aliens in uh, Ocarina of Time. So, I thought that was cool that there were aliens in Majora's Mask. I don't know, something about cows still and aliens just makes me laugh. Like, why do they want our cows? <laughs> it's so great, though. It's like... It, I, I remember when it wasn't spoiled for us, so when we played that game... You know, you're you're not expecting anything to happen when you go to the farm and then this stuff happens, right? Like, because remember in this game, you play the same, you play through the same areas multiple times and depending on little choices, like you don't save the grandma in the, on the first day, something different happens in the lover's quest on day two. And like this, this, uh, 
this whole um, alien quest was was uh, the same where first of all it was kind of hard to find your way into the um, into the farm in the first place place and then when you got there and it was an alien abduction scene with aliens coming for cows and it had that music the music like that super creepy music it's just such a great surprise yeah there's a lot of creepy stuff in this game even just the very beginning was kind of just creepy and disturbing like the transformation scene with link turning into a deku shrub and i think that's why that's kind of why it makes majora's mask such a great accidentally horror game to play for halloween i don't i like totally mixed up my words but you know what i'm saying it's accidentally a horror just because of how creepy and depressing it is i think all of the storylines are just spooky it is a it is a spooky game that has to do with really dark themes a lot darker than a lot of the other zelda games and i would recommend everyone to go back and play some majora's mask for halloween this weekend (laughs) the atmosphere is so cool like that whole the the um the valley with the the house and the organ on top you know that speaker on top and Mm -hmm. the old man like there's so many just kind of doomsday moments in that game where like you you, certain people just can't be saved right Mm -hmm. like they're they're gone and then for the world to constantly end in this game and like people some people give up some people are hopeful still it's the atmosphere is just fantastic the postman keeps delivering mail (laughs) i think that always bothered me when you know you heal people or you know the the goron the zora etc of all their ailments i'm like do you heal them because you kill them is that that what's going on i've always wondered that they're like you set me free i'm like from life (laughs) oh no i guess you send the spirits on to the afterworld right whatever that is yeah (laughs) but i I also wanted to just briefly mention does anyone remember the majora's mask creepypasta is that the haunted cartridge? Yeah, the haunted cartridge of about Ben. No. Oh, the ghost, yeah, the ghost boy? boy. He lived in through yeah. the game. Oh. I don't know. I just wanted to bring it oh, up because it's Halloween and it has to do with Majora's Mask. But this came out, this was written in 2010. And it was kind of like the if you guys know Reddit No Sleep, everyone just kind of suspends the their disbelief and goes with the story as if everything this person who is writing in the forums is true and that's what this was it was a forum post as everyone treated it as if it was true and it was super creepy if you want to lose some sleep last some night like go and look up that video because it was very creepy and, and the whole video has like the haunted song cartridge. yeah it has the song of healing but playing like warped and backwards and it is just one of the creepiest things oh i think i remember that i think i remember something weird with like playing the music backwards in that game people spreading myth about that yeah and it was weird and like in that video you have the link created from the elegy of emptiness song and it just like follows him and it's very like not like you you needed to work so hard to make the Majora's Mask soundtrack creepy. The whole <laughs> the whole way the music distorts when it's the final hours is just a stroke of brilliance. I have the I have the uh, the the piano sheet music for it, and like they don't properly capture how like nasty it gets towards the end, like how crooked and 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 awful the theme gets. It's so good. I, I demand a Majora's Mask orchestra. That I would like to go to. Anyway, thank you all so much for talking with me about Majora's Mask. Again, Majora's Mask came out in North America on October 26, 2000, 20 years ago today. And so we all celebrate with masks of our own and fancy makeup and moons. But otherwise, let's move on to the next topic of this week. 
which is also kind of related to Majora's Mask, maybe if this applies to you. But what was the first time a video mm-hmm. game scared you? And this is a question we asked everyone on IGN through Yappa, which is our video commenting tool. But before we get to what you all think, I want to ask what Tom thinks. Tom, well, what was a- the first time a game scared you? I have a very, very, very dumb answer to this because it's not a scary game whatsoever. But I, one of the ways I was introduced to gaming was my mom loved Myst and loved those games. Mm-hmm. And I would just kind of like watch her play. And as a really young kid, I didn't understand that Myst was a game where you would never get attacked and it was a puzzle game and there was not any like threat or anything in that game. So... Because there's there's creepy, scary people in that game. There's dudes like brandishing knives at you and like all the stuff of like the brothers like are horrific. Like they're terrifying characters. Right. And so I would see these FMV people being really terrifying. And then it would get to like later in the game where we would have to like go through a door or like go around a corner and it was all spooky and creepy. And I was like, sure. Someone was going to jump out at you and stab you. Right. Like, so that game, when I was younger, like I couldn't play, I couldn't watch or play parts of it because as a kid, I just didn't understand that there was nothing to fear, but like I, it does a really, it did a really good job of making me think there was going to be. And then of course the ultimate punchline in that is that I got super comfortable with it. And then, and I think it was, exile the third missed game there is actually a moment where you can get killed and it's like the only moment in that where you can get killed and it was like three games worth of my fear finally like culminating in a gotcha moment at the end wow missed man i would have never thought (laughs) it's not a scary game it's not a scary game at all but it's a very (laughs) atmospheric game and young me didn't understand the difference Odell, what was the first time a video game scared you? Okay, so we're going to go all the way back to the early 90s. It was Sonic the Hedgehog 3. What? So, yes. So for those who remember, there's a level called Sandopolis, something like that. It's the desert level with the pyramids. And Act 2, you go inside the pyramids, and it gets gradually dark, and the darker gets these ghosts appear. And when it gets fully dark, they have like little devil horns, and they fly and attack you music's creepy and it'll give me an anxiety attack you have to like press a button to turn on the lights to make them go away again i guess i sucked as a kid and i can never find the light switches so like the whole level the ghosts are chasing me and trying to kill me they got the little horns and they're spooky and yeah i just couldn't do it it was one of those things i'd be like mom beat it for me my mom's like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) i had i had those movements those moments movements i've had those moments Oh yeah, any of you Sonic fans out there who remember those ghosts and was terrified, I was right there with you. Completely. It's, it's, there's something, I mean, that's a similar thing, right? Where it's like, there's something when you're younger, games that can build that, that vibe, that attitude is almost more important than like actually trying to scare you of just like, you gotta go, you gotta stress, like, the, just, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's ghosts coming, there's ghosts coming, and it's just like, that's enough, right? Like, that's enough. Yeah. You know what? You guys are totally right, because I, I have down a different thing, but probably the first time I was actually startled in a video game was during the, the Mario, the, the Angry Sun. <laughs> you guys remember? And that's yeah. not, like, I know, Perry's, like, looking at me, like, seriously. Terrifying. It's not, like, I didn't have to, like... No, 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 it's, like, it is scary. Girl. But yeah, I was like, 
I don't know. It's a scary, it's a scary tense thing. It was probably the scary, the first really scary tense moment in a game, but that's not my like real one. But in, before that pair, what was the first time a game scared you? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. There are moments that are stressful, like, you know, when the station blows up in Met- Super Metroid or something where you like stressed and you're worried that you're going to blow up. But like really like the biggest scares I wouldn't. And I, I've been playing games forever. Right. So I, I had creepy games like the seventh guest way back in the day but none of them scared me as much as i think the the scariest one was resident evil for sure the dogs jumping through the window they lulled you into this safe sense of security where you walked through the same hallway 15 times and then the 16th time it happened and i was playing it with uh, somebody else from ign at the time aaron bolding and he fell out of the chair like he wasn't even in control <laughs> he fell out of the chair but then after, as I was telling that story, I was remembering the the first, very first time I got scared by a video game was actually a Lucasfilm game. They used to be, LucasArts used to be called Lucasfilm Games, and they made a game called Rescue on Fractalus on the Atari home computers. I know I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> and that game, it's uh, it has fractal graphics. You're flying over a planet. And you have to rescue astronauts. And so you see a dot on the map and you pursue it. And, you know, you have to navigate the mountains and you have to land that ship. And then you can see this dot in the distance. And it's an astronaut. And then, you know, you you basically, uh, they come running towards your ship. You see them get bigger and bigger and bigger and they disappear under your window. So you don't see them anymore. And then you hear them knocking on your hatch. And you have to now make the decision is this an astronaut or is this an alien? Because like, if you open the hatch for an alien, this guy jumps up in front of the screen, like with like giant eyes going, Whoop! and it's the scariest thing. You know, a lot of a lot of the games we played back then, we did not have manuals, and we may not have gotten legitimately. And so, like playing this game without knowing anything, it was such a big shock. You know that that ultimately yeah. was the developer's revenge. I think. <laughs> Yeah, but Plus not you know, now now decades later, one of the hottest games around right now is determining whether astronauts are real or yeah. aliens in disguise. Something. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's. I'll, I'll send you guys a video clip. I've seen there's some YouTube videos of it, and it's just it's such a mean moment. And there's a small difference between the astronauts and the aliens, and you have to spot it as they're running towards the screen, and like it's hard. And what uh, yeah, they again? got me. It's called Rescue on Fractalus. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Fractalus because it was using fractal graphics. It was <laughs> oh, uh, back then. Lucas Lucasfilm Games was absolutely amazing. They made this game. They made uh, the Eidolon, which was this labyrinth game where you faced off against dragons. They they had fantastic games. Ball Blazer, if you remember that one. No. Okay. No, I don't. I'll see myself out. <laughs> Sorry, <I don't> <laughs> We're playing it at the old folks' home right now. <laughs> so my my real answer like the first time i was actually i have to stop playing this game was during zelda ocarina of time and it is when the first time you see Redeads when you wake up as an adult oh. and you go outside of the um the temple of time and you go into the market square and there are just these freaking weird zombies all around making these really disturbing noises and then you hear a scream and you freeze and you can't do anything Oh my god! I just yeah. I couldn't mom, I couldn't mom, do it I couldn't mom. do it. Yeah, I ran and like I I ran so fast. And the next time I saw them, I just I think it was the when you go down into the grave into one of the graves. You like yeah, find you, a bust, it open, yeah, yeah, you bust it open. Yeah, you bust it open with lightning strike. 
Yeah, and that's where you get the sun the sun song. And there's a bunch of redits there. And I was like, I can't do it. And I had to go get my dad. Be like, hey, dad, I can't do it. You have to do it. <laughs> but um, hey, the sun song. Yeah, but I didn't have it yet. You have to get through that area to get the sun song. So I didn't have it. Um, but after watching him do it, I kind of regained my courage. I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is possible. You just can't look at them. That's the trick. It's Don't scary though. It's the, the like zombies. even if you even if you know what they do, it's still scary because that that mean like the timing of the freeze that you yeah. can't move and then the camera the locks into place too. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. <sighs> And Ocarina of Time was actually one of the games a lot of people mentioned when submitting their their yaps. And I think it's just, I mean, with my generations, probably the first game with slightly scary, like intentional scary elements in it that there were. Like, <laughs> but, well, and and mm-hmm. we talked we talked about this with Majora's Mask and the kind of the differences already. But like the Ocarina of Time did a really clever thing, I think, where it's not really scary when you're mm-hmm. a kid, and then from the point you become an adult in that game, like mm-hmm. everything is darker, everything is scarier, everything Skeletons. is creepier. The skeleton. Yeah. Like that. I, I think that's such a, that tonal shift is so important towards making all that stuff that comes later, like hit harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good it's, point. Majora's mask played with a uh, redead scaring a little bit more. Remember they had that uh, at the bottom of the well, they had that creepy pasty creature with Ooh. all the arms. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. They, they took it up one notch. It was so good. <laughs> no, I don't know the name of this enemy, but I know it's uh, right there when you go in the well as a kid to get to the Shadow Temple, all that all that segment yeah. there. It's a uh, giant white monster, and he has like a super long neck. You have to wait for him to lower uh-huh. it to strike. That That's was the right. thing that did me in. I was like, I, I, I don't know what this is. It's, it's ungodly. Please get it away from me. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the wall masters, the hands that hang yeah. out on the top, and then just like, because they had those in that same temple and i know they're also in the forest temple but they're down in the well too and i i hated those things the i never liked that the forest so temple cool. was just also from hell it's like yeah. there's nothing foresty about this <laughs> no like what is i still the ghost I, hunt i still really so the forest temple music is still a really great um what am i the mavic no atmospheric songs to play for creepy Halloween time. Yeah, I remember I was at like a college event and it was a Halloween like zombie run or something. And the DJ put that song on. I was like, yes, it's Zelda. really good. The, the, the Forest Temple is my favorite dungeon in any in any video game. It's just so good. The the fact like the poor ghosts scatter and you have to find them, and then each ghost is a different puzzle. One involves like untwisting a hallway. In one, you have to go on the walls and stuff. It's it's so cool. I love that one. It is creepy. Yeah, it is a, a very good, that one in the well, very good spooky, spooky temples. But I wanted to hear from our viewers what your scariest moment in a video game, or rather your first scary moment in a video game. And this first one is from Dwight with Resident Evil, which a lot of other people mentioned as well. <laughs> Hey, NBC. Uh, so my first video game scare was probably when I was 13. Um, I was playing uh, Resident Evil's director's cut and um, I played Resident Evil 2 and I was just nothing could scare me in this game. Um, I was playing it and uh, I didn't realize uh, when you're low on health and you run into a hunter, your head could get taken right off. So there I was in the dining room of the uh, mansion on the second floor and heads were rolling. 
And uh, yeah, I did not pick up the game for another year, I want to say. But in reality, it was probably a year and a half because I was scared. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, happy Halloween. Has a, a game ever scared any of you so much that you just stopped playing it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Which Resident one? Evil 4, that he was bringing up the decapitation. When the chainsaw guy gets you, I had to take a moment. <laughs> for me, it was, was uh, for me, it was Ravenholm, Half-Life 2. Oh, man. really? Yeah, playing Ravenholm when I was younger, man, those zombies, especially when the fast zombies show up and you're on the roof and there's nothing you can do about it and you're out of ammo. I had to take a break from that. That's for sure. How, how about Tom? Did you play Condemned and you go into the fa- into the uh, decrepit building with all the mannequins? No, I didn't. Yeah. But I'm also not like a spook guy usually. Like oh. I don't like that. I don't like horror games and spooky stuff generally. I, s- uh. I stopped playing Condemned right about there. Some mannequins are not mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I'm a big scaredy cat, so I stopped playing a lot of games like PT, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. I, I don't care what no one says. I made it to like day two of Five Nights at Freddy's and never got past day two because I couldn't like nerves too bad. But I went back to play it later. But initially, I could not beat Metroid Fusion just because when uh, the other Samus comes and she's like chasing you and stuff. <laughs> and when I get scared, my game skills go off the window. So she's like, you know, scary music. I'm like, ah, nah. and it's on the Game yeah. Boy. So I had I, to come back later, like do that one. I, Super menacing. I really feel you on that because same thing. My video game skills just go completely out the window as soon as something spooky is happening. Even if it's not that spooky, I remember, I don't remember which one, but the the Metal Gear, the first one that came out for the PS3, I don't remember which one it was, but in the very, very beginning, you're trying to hide from these giant robots and I couldn't do it. I got too scared. I was like, I can't do it. I'm I'm just going to hide forever. I can't move. The robots are going to get me. I'm done. That's four, right? Yeah, I, it was four. It was four. But so I totally feel you, Adele, like not being able to play when I get scared. Because and same thing in PT, I just panic. And then it's like, it looks like I've never played a video game before. <laughs> Ko- Kojima is good at the creepy moments for sure. Death Stranding too. You know, like when Gosh. stuff starts happening around you, like, oh, not now. Like, no. My precious packages. Oh. I just like pause, put your controller down. It's one of my gaming sins. Like I normally see a game through. I couldn't wait till it get. I could not wait until the game got good. I tried. I, I'll beat it later. Oh. <laughs> I really tried. No, I I didn't finish yeah. that one either. So. Same. It's okay. <laughs> I lost my packages. <laughs> but, um, this, next me, Yappa, oh, this next Yappa is n- scary, depending on how you feel about games. But his atmosphere is very spooky. Let's hear from Patrick. Happy Halloween, NVC. True fear. It's resetting your game too many times in Animal Crossing for GameCube. And then having Mr. Rossetti say he's going to delete your game file because you've been such a troublemaker. The screen cuts the black. And then the title screen comes up as a cold sweat runs down the back of your neck. (laughs) (laughs) Great delivery. Great delivery. So right. My daughter was too, when she was little, she was too terrified to play Animal Crossing again after oh, no. Mr. Rossetti <laughs> got mad at her. She was so scared of Mr. Rossetti. Oh, Rossetti. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank Traumatized. you for that, Traumatized. That was very funny. Yeah, and yeah that's this, lost. Yeah, gosh. 
Oh yeah, we we'll never have, have that. Like that. Yeah. Mm. I was just on the Tyndall just loves giving young kids like traumas. <laughs> I've found out. <laughs> That's much it. I was just mourning Rossetti. And this last Yappa for this week is from Brandon, who has some Nintendo scary moments for us. Hi, NBC. So my first scare in a video game was probably the piano in Super Mario 64. However, um, Ganon, the first time I saw Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time, I actually couldn't sleep for like a month. So, yeah. And read that too. With you. Do you guys remember the piano? I don't remember yeah. the piano. No. So... The Haunted Mansion is not very good in Mario 64, let's be honest, because the Super <laughs> Mario World ones are so damn good. But like it has a piano and when you get close, it starts bouncing and it has teeth and comes after you. And it makes the like a dropping piano sound. It's like brom, 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 and like chomps after you. It was definitely unexpected and very, very scary. No, I remember I didn't have, you know, the iGen wikis or the internet back then when that game came out. But some kid at school told me there was a hidden starting piano that you can kill the piano. And so here's <laughs> Rodeo, just fighting the piano for like a damn hour and nothing's happening but me dying repeatedly. And, oh, oh, man. I, I just remember being so angry. Like when I got older or just, you know, old enough, like I don't remember the kid, but I just remember him telling me that. I'm like, I want to go back in time. He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Oh, uh, that guy, how old were you when, when that was like what like eight or something six or seven yeah, six or seven like imagine i'm imagining yeah. a seven-year-old like in the 90s like having his like childhood friend like <laughs> as an adult show up and just yelling at him <laughs> this is why odell hates <laughs> instruments now <laughs> it's your fault no. but we were just talking about the first time a video game scared us thank you everyone for sending in yappas look out for that post on ign.com and on our nbc podcast forums on facebook but now it's time to talk about something else so pikmin 3 deluxe is finally out this week and we have the reviewer tom marks here with us who reviewed it which I, I, is what i just said tom what did you think of pikmin 3 deluxe pikmin 3 is great pikmin 3 deluxe is even better that's the that's the short version of it if you never played pikmin 3 which like half the people on we put a poll saying like, you could say whether you played Pikmin 3 on Wii U or not in the review. And about half the people who were reading that review said they'd never played Pikmin 3. Um, it's a fantastic Wii U exclusive that is now no longer an exclusive. It absolutely holds up in every single possible way you would want it to hold up on Switch. Um, it's my favorite Pikmin game. It is a really, really good game just generally. And... The deluxe edition, the quick version of this is that it didn't do a ton, right? Like it adds some difficulty modes, which PSA hard. If you're a returning player, hard mode is actually the base difficulty of the original game where normal is significantly easier. So look out for that. Um, it adds some difficulty modes. It adds some cute new content with levels and it adds like a sh just a just ton, just absolute ton of quality of life tweaks um and that's pretty like it does enough to justify like new players kind of trying it again or old players trying it again and new players trying it at all it's it's a really really great game do you feel like the the port is a little unambitious when it comes to visuals and sound yeah. i mean it, it runs at it it runs at 720p right exactly right. as the wii u version and like lighting every everything looks the same right yeah, it's it's absolutely I think unambitious is the right way to 
is the right word for it because yeah. the good news is Pikmin 3 the style of it means that it holds up. It doesn't look bad in 2020, right? Like you're not going to be looking yeah, at yeah. this going like, oh, this is a really old game, except for, as you said, the resolution. It runs in 720-30, which is a little bit of a bummer because you do see a lot of jagged edges um, in TV mode around stuff. It doesn't really look any different than the original did, which is it's just like it's just a little disappointing, but it's not like yeah. a deal breaker because it still looks good. Yeah. And then I, I I foolishly thought they had added an online mode for the versus play, at least. Um, right. And I tried out, you know, I, I played the demos co-op mode. I thought the split screen split screen is really cool, but yeah. it would have been nice if they had uh, spent the time. I, and the thing that first of all, I love that game. I think it's absolutely worth playing. And you said that the majority of people haven't played it yeah. there. There are what, like 65 million switches out there now more than more than 63 million people who own a switch have not played that game by default right because pikmin Pikmin 3 didn't didn't sell that well it sold just over a million units um but like i wish that they had i i love the quality of life uh, uh, um improvements i wish that they had taken the price down like it just kind of feels like i'm i'm getting a little concerned with nintendo's approach here where it's like we're getting full remakes for games like resident evil 2 and you know they they adapt the controls and add you know the 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 Pikmin uh, Pik, Piklipedia or whatever it's called and it's still charging sixty bucks. It's kind of kind of makes me feel a little icky. No, I, I I definitely don't disagree with that. This is this is another in a long line of what I would call lifeboat ports, right? Yeah. It's, it's people fleeing the wreckage of the Wii U. Not to speak bad about the Wii U, just that in that nobody bought it. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's it's a lifeboat port in that. This game absolutely deserves to be played by more people, and this is going to do a really good job of enabling that. But you're right that it is pretty simple in kind of what it does to bring it over. Yeah. No, but in the I'll end, watch. like, oh, yeah. Do okay. I care to pay ten more bucks for it? No, I'm. Of course, I'm. I'm going to get it. And I'm going to play it. Right. Right. Yeah. So what were you going to say? So uh, I was talking to my friend the other day, and excluding Zombie U, I just told him looking at my switch collection and half of it's just the wii u games i've already owned <laughs> yeah, i don't think zombie U is ever going to be ported though <laughs> but with the exception no. of that i think that I, it's a one for one so there's those awesome switch only games of the on there of course i just realized that i'm yeah. like hmm. you be they, i wonder how many brought people zombie U to other platforms they yeah, yeah they, they brought it to playstation 4 and xbox yeah. one yeah oh, they did yeah. oh okay well never mind yeah, but I so thought, you, can, you can probably get it. <laughs> I don't, it's weird because when I first I played Zombie U at a, a preview event for the Wii U and the way that they presented it to me is like this is only possible because of the Wii U and you're only able to make a game like this because of the Wii U. So like, I don't know, like I, nah. I Nah. <laughs> that wasn't true. The the one clever thing was the with the dual screen. In order for you to get your stuff out, you had to look yeah. in your backpack. Remember that? So you yeah. had to look down. And you couldn't, you kind of, you had to take your eye off the screen, which I thought was a really cool mechanic, but you can still do that. Like you can, the game keeps running while you look into the backpack on your main yeah. screen. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's just, it's cool. Cause in real life, I mean, if you're looking in the back backpack, you look up, you can still see everything around you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't like cover, you're not like this in the backpack, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't like need the wheel. 
to, to yeah. function. The only, but, the only game that feels like, or one of the only games, I guess, because I don't know every game out there, but one of the only games that really feels like it wouldn't be able to survive a port to Switch is Nintendo Land. Yeah. That, I, I feel like most of the other great Wii U exclusives like Wind Waker HD and other stuff like that could could port over fine. But, but Nintendo Land, I don't know. If you make Nintendo Land an online game, though, it, it'll work just fine. Yes, that is true. Or, or link up also, with the Switch. It's also optimistic. <laughs> does the does the Switch have a gyroscope in it? Because yes. I remember the Donkey yeah. Kong game where you had the, you know, the little cart and it was equally hard or broken. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can. You, the, that, I mean, that the, would work fine. Yeah, you're right. The, the benefit of the Wii U was like for the Metroid game, for example, that you could have an asynchronous multiplayer experience. Yeah. You know, where people could, three people control something on the screen and one person has their own private little screen. You can replicate all of that, but obviously you need multiple switches in your house yeah. and, mm-hmm. or you need to add an online mode. Um, that Nintendo Land is one of those games where I feel like they should go back and they should cut out the crap. Like the F-Zero game was just awful. Um, but like the Mario Chase stuff, you know, the Luigi's Mansion stuff, they were so good. I want to play them again. Yeah, they were really good. I think they could they could make it work if they really really wanted to. But Tom, what did you what did you give Pikmin Three Deluxe? Did you already say nine? I gave nine it a nine for amazing. This I is think an amazing it, game. It's a genuinely fantastic game, um, just on its own. Like I, we gave it. I think uh, Kazem McDonald reviewed it for us back in 2013 and gave it an eight point eight back when we were still on the ten point yep. scale or the hundred point scale and. uh like I, I I went back and I looked at her review and like it, it pretty much holds up like what she was saying back then to now. And so I encourage you to go check out that review as well if you want sort of an in-depth look at like really why it is great. And then my review focuses more on uh, the deluxe editions, which newcomer or returning players uh, like I cannot stress this enough. This is the best Pikmin has ever felt to control ever. Right. And that's saying something because it's been on now four consoles not including the 3ds and it's always been a little tricky to control pikmin games and it's still a little tricky to control pikmin here but they've done so many little little things that just make it less frustrating or easier to manage yeah i i I can't wait to play again and like do you i i have fond memories of the entire game but i also remember that the final boss was clever but also annoying is that does that still hold up (laughs) no the the final boss isn't as annoying and i think some of that is the control stuff that they've done um i always thought that the i guess that's a fair assessment i always thought it was very clever that based like without spoilers that kind of what they do there but um it's it's definitely a little bit weird still. It's stressful, right? It's yeah. stressful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the new content that they added, which I can't talk a ton about before release, but like the new side stories, if anybody played the original game, like the, the treasure missions are basically the best kind of comparison for those. They're these mm. timed, really fast little things, but you get a little bit of goofy story with Louie and Olimar before each one. And they do have some more creative objectives in them. So it's, it's, it's not again like like we were saying it's not like it's not the most ambitious content addition that they could have done it's not just more campaign but it is fun and it's new and it's clever and it holds up to the quality of the rest of the game for sure 
All right, Tom, thank you so much for telling us about your Pigment 3 Deluxe review. And just a reminder for everyone out there, there is a free demo. So if you're on the fence, you can check it out yourself. But now let's talk about probably the biggest news of this week. We kind of buried the lead here, but there was a final Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase this week, which was yesterday on a Wednesday, and it was pretty meaty and announced some really cool things. And above all, I think the most important thing that we saw during this mini direct was a brand new trailer for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So we got a brand new trailer that revealed some really cool stuff. Like you can control the Divine Beast. You can play the Divine Beast. I think that was the coolest thing. That sounds awesome. Are you guys stoked to go and like just romp thousands of enemies as a giant yeah. elephant? Or like <laughs> it's It's just so funny. I mean, I love that. I think it's super cool and I'm looking forward to it. It's so funny to me that some poor designer at Bandai Namco had to be given these like stiff, non-functional robotic designs and be like, I guess make them work in battle somehow. Like (laughs) they're so weird. I love the divine beasts, but like you look at like the camel one and you're just like, how is that supposed to be effective in combat literally at all? Magic. (laughs) Yes, that's right. If you make it big enough, and it's deadly. <laughs> but the demo also came out. Did you guys play it? Yes. Yeah. Odell, what did you think? Uh, you know, I thought it was great. Uh, I really enjoyed playing as Impa. You know, um, yeah. her, you know, she felt distinctly different. Like, for a second there, I was like, I'm, I'm mashing X. Why doesn't it work? But you have to bring up, like, her runes and then use the runes. And, you know, collect more runes in combination. So I thought that was cool that it was distinct and still chaotic and different. Because, you know, I felt like since it was the demo, we were just going to be smashing X and Y the whole time. I couldn't do that. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I feel like um, this is going to right or wrong. Because I remember when Champion of the Ballots got announced for Breath of the Wild. I was like, yes, we get to play as the champions. It's going to be Majora's Mask style playing with the different races. And that did not happen, actually. So I was highly disappointed. So... I'm finally looking forward to be able to play, you know, Urbosa, Regali, whole game. Excited. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked. And I like the original Hyrule Roars. I must say that it, it was not my cup of tea, but this seems this doesn't play like that. I don't mean that as an insult to either game, but <laughs> I really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, Tom and Perry, what, uh, what did you think? I, I yeah, it was um, I, I played last night. Um, I, I played last night and uh, I, I was I was bummed when the demo ended. I was like, oh, yeah. yes, Rivali, you, you know, the, the points appear on the map. To, <laughs> yeah, to play, yeah, no, uh, I immediately uh, went to, to that one too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it does, it feels different from uh, Breath of the Wild. Like Link is super fast, right? The way he traverses, uh, the way he runs is, is fast, obviously. And there's, there's not the, the kind of climbing aspect, but it looks like Breath of the Wild. And like, it has this really cool enemy variety. I feel like, you know, the use of your powers, um, makes for some really impactful smashes. Like when you're, when you're fighting a boss, for example, the way you can use all your different powers, uh, uh and, and smash down on them, it actually feels really good. So, I'm uh, I'm optimistic. My my one worry about the Warriors franchise is always that they just throw so much stuff at you to the point where it becomes meaningless, and it's like you just unlocked fourteen swords, fifteen different collectibles, right? Like it always rains on you. Um, so I need a little bit of time to process that and see what's actually w- valuable and worth something. But so far, so good. And then for Impa, 
she feels like a character of out of like a Hong Kong movie, like a crazy Hong Kong Kung Fu magic mix up movie where it's just like she goes bonkers with like runes flying around, duplicating herself. It's really cool. It does feel very different from from Link. It's it's really interesting that all the characters have such vastly different mechanics. Like I was um, streaming it last night. Not I didn't play it, but I watched it be played. And there were some people in the comments. telling us tips about like how to control all these characters differently and they said like yeah. zelda was similar to lana in hyrule warriors and when she's like a, a slow setup character where you want to like set things up and then activate them to do damage whereas um impa had all those cool ninja mechanics where you have to um i don't i can't remember what exactly if they're called runes or not but I'm yeah. sure everyone will know what I mean. Like the, you have to apply it to an enemy and then take it back to activate clones. And the more clones you have, the it actually affects how her attacks look and also how they're the effect that they do. It's really interesting. And then you also have the Sheikah Slate. And for example, like Magnesis actually steals the metal weapons of the enemies and then throws them back at that at them. And you can do that with a boss. Like you can steal a giant hammer from a boss and throw it right back at them. It's really, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, it applies all of the kind of world mechanics, like the fire and the electricity too, and so you can use metal to attract uh, light, lightning, and all that stuff. It's, yeah. it's really cool. So, yeah. Tom, I cut you off earlier. Like, what, what was your experience? Oh, I, I love it. I'm, I'm fully on this hype train now. Like, I, a, I think the demo is really good. It's a really sizable amount of gameplay, and the fact that save data carries over, I will never not praise. A company for doing that and nintendo this is now two in a row that they've done that with their games uh pikmin being the last one so a the demo rules you should absolutely go try it and b i agree with everything you guys are saying like i i think the combat's it's very different obviously but it's really fun how they've managed to match the feel and the style and the look of zelda and a lot of in breath of the wild in a lot of different ways is really cool i also agree with you pair that like as much as i love the fact that you can collect 1200 different kinds of fruit and all of the recognizable lizards bugs and fish from the game the fact that like i don't know where to get those and i don't know which ones i need for what upgrades or when is like very confusing (laughs) but but the game's always like that right right. it's just they shower you with gifts from heaven (laughs) right i I kind of like so i i like the weapon improvement system is what i Mm. want to call it it's very rpg like you get all of these weapons but you combine them to upgrade the level of a sword to increase its damage and then the higher the level the more slots for extra skills it has so here's a here's a wiki tip you want to save your swords and save your weapons that have unique skills that you want to use later so that you can add it to a sword once it has a slot available so then you can have a sword with all of the and i'm just saying sword as a general whatever weapon what that character is using to have the skills and abilities that you want i really like that system i think it's cool because it makes every time you get a dinky sword that much more able to excite you because it might even though if the level and damage isn't great it might come with a really cool skill yeah that's a good point And, and also just like i think the story already what we've seen of the story is a little you know melodramatic but like really cool and like i want to see more of it and this is like a really interesting period in the history of breath of the wild that i'm super excited that they're going to explore in this way it it got me very excited for that aspect of it too not just the hack and slash being zelda that sort of stuff 
Yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. I did not expect, what, two minutes into the game to be already invested into the story. Right. I, I didn't expect story at all. And, you know, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't played the demo, but the new character, how he comes to be. I was just like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be a true Zelda game without this mechanic right here. Yeah. going to show up at some mm-hmm. point. <laughs> it's It's very yeah. unexpected for me. And also just not even that kind of bigger thing, because you're totally right. That's like got me hooked immediately as well. But like the idea and this is this is this is medium spoilery, but not really like the idea that the third mission in the game is like mirroring Breath of the Wild in that it's like go to the four corners of the map and meet the champions. And like, that's so cool. Yeah, the UI and the map just looks exactly like Breath of the Wild. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> I think they've just done a yep. really good job of capturing that part of it. Yeah. I'm sure we could talk about Hyrule Warriors a lot more, but let's move on to all of the other news that we found out during the Nintendo Direct Mini. Like, we finally got a release date for Bravely Default 2. This was supposed to come out in 2020, but now it is coming out on February 26, 2021. We got a new trailer, and the dev team received over 20,000 responses to their survey asking for feedback on the demo. A video about the changes will be posted on Nintendo's YouTube channel. So I'm excited to see that. That looks That'll be cool. Um, what did uh what did you guys think of the trailer? Pear? Uh, ooh. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um I know I'm 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 excited that there's a that there's a new bravely default, but um yeah, the demo the demo didn't impress me and some of it was and I think that's what most people noted, the the balance was completely off. Um and I wish they had tweaked it a little bit more to make it a more fun experience like the way the difficulty was balanced but um look i mean it's a talented dev team i love the music i'm not a big fan of the art style i gotta be honest like i just the characters don't do anything for me and that that look um but i'm i'm looking forward to playing it for sure i know seth is really excited for it because he loves yeah the original bravely default so maybe we'll get him to talk about that once i mean i guess it's all the way in february that's like so that's like eons from now but we'll talk but about that's more. cheating because he's also the main character of that game now you're right he oh is. you're right seth i gotta gotta get seth to talk about seth but yeah that's my, also... maybe that's why i don't like the character design <laughs> i hate seth no i'm kidding I'm sorry, seth, seth is wonderful seth is a wonderful person but, um also they announced control ultimate edition for the switch but because it's a cloud version so they're experimenting with cloud gaming on the switch which is crazy and i really like the way that they did this because you have to download a free, basically a free trial before you can purchase it. So they force you to see if your internet can actually support it before you are allowed to purchase it, which I think is a really great way to prevent a lot of people being upset. Yeah. <laughs> Pre- like preemptively. Um, so have, have any of you tried, tried it on your switch? How, how did it run? I have not. I did. Um, okay. And you know, just for background, I've I've been following Nintendo's cloud uh, streaming service for a while. Um, I feel like to me, cloud gaming once uh, once our internet connections are so fast that latency doesn't matter that much anymore. It's just going to be the most convenient way for people to uh, to play games. You know, Microsoft's really smart about creating a service where you, while you download and install your game, you can play the cloud version, mm-hmm. and you know, like you switch over seamlessly. That's that's ultimately that's cool. the best the best Trojan horse. But um, so Nintendo played around with cloud gaming service, and there's a huge difference between Nintendo and 
Google Stadia and Microsoft in that Nintendo uses an external company, so they don't have their own CDN and all of that. It's uh, they're using a Taiwan-based company called Ubitus uh, Game Cloud, and they tested Resident Evil 7, which we tried out when it came out in, in 2018 already in Japan. And then they did Assassin's Creed Odyssey when it came out as well. Mm-hmm. And like they run reasonably well. Like games like that, where you know, like these kind of third-person uh, adventure games. They work really well, even with a little bit of latency and control falls into that same um, area. I I had real issues playing um, uh, playing control yesterday, though, and that mm-hmm. might be the system was telling me, oh, there it was even doing like a net congestion warning message. So I know it wasn't my internet connection. I got a gigabit line, and it was uh, there were audio bugs. It was very very choppy, and I noticed um, some people are streaming the game also having audio delays. So see it as a test. See it as, you know, this is Nintendo testing it uh, in the US um, with this version, obviously, um, uh, with Control and also Hitman. Um, And then I think they have a lot of uh, decisions to make. Stadia launched last year, and it did not set the world on fire, even though the tech is really good. The games look great on it. But people don't want to pay 60 bucks and not have something. And Mm -hmm. this service is similar in that you're paying 40 bucks for Control for an access pass, but you obviously don't have anything. Um, so I, but I, it, I think that's ultimately what people have to overcome. If it was a Netflix service where you got all these games you can play, I think it'd be a different story. It does feel, I totally agree with all that. And also we have to point out the amazing irony of you lagging. As you said, I have a gigabit <laughs> line. That was, very <laughs> yeah, was very I blame funny. discord. That was very entertaining, but I blame discord. Um, I totally agree with you. I think the switch is kind of in a lucky or in a little bit of a different situation with that stadia problem of not owning anything because the prospect, at least on, on switch is it's this or nothing, right? Like it's, this is the only way to play this game on this platform where on stadia, the ask it or like stadia, at least on PC, the ask is you could be buying this game on steam or you play or the Epic store or you can buy it on Stadia and have nothing. And that's, I yeah. think, like less appealing to, to, to a consumer than on Switch, where it's just like, well, this is the only, literally the only way we're going to be able to play this game on this platform. No, that's true. But it's, uh, no, and, uh, and that's a, uh, it's a nice band aid, right? For not being able to get a, a port of control. And like, yeah. if, if it wasn't laggy, the, it has two options. It has a 60 frames per second mode, which does look really good. It, it did feel control wise more laggy than the 30 frames per second uh, mode with ray tracing. Little, Sorry, what Odell. What were you going to say? Um, it's just, uh, I'm still old school, oddly enough probably like the youngest person here, but I need my physical, you know, games. I need my physical medium, something I can touch hold. So I'm definitely a rent pass. It's a complete turnoff to me. But also, even though most people have reasonable internets and stuff now, it's, it's still any game that says you have to be connected to the internet at all times to play is an instant no-go for me because, I mean, life happens. And the Switch, honestly, is greatness. For example, my lights went off the other day. I was playing uh, 3D All-Stars, and it was like, oh, lights went off, TV turns off, no consoles turn off, but not the Switch. It's still mm-hmm. on. It, I just yeah. pick it up and keep going like nothing happens. Yeah, that's great. I, I know, really nice. Yeah, so for cloud-based games to exist on the Switch, I'm like, that's almost a mark against what makes it great to me in my mind. Sure. No, that's yeah. really 
I, I can see that. And by the way, the Switch does not have a great Wi-Fi radio, right? Like that might be one of the improvements we'll see with future hardware releases is to add, you know, Wi-Fi 6 and, you know, new new protocols. Obviously, when you're on the go, you can tether it to your phone. So you could you could take it on the go and play on your on your phone's internet connection. But it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. if out of all the consoles, the Switch feels like the least likely one to succeed with a cloud streaming service. But then, you know, it certainly is a way for them to overcome hardware challenges where you can play, you know, whatever the four games out are like Resident Evil 7, Assassin's Creed, and then Control and Hitman 3 over in the US. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting prospect. And it's certainly really interesting for games that don't require instant um, reaction. Like it's probably not going to be great for first person shooters, but yeah. for like adventure games, it'll be really cool. What, what I real quickly will say is regardless of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the cloud stuff, because I think Odell, your, all your points are totally fair. Regardless of how the cloud stuff works, I, Control itself is a phenomenal game. Um, yeah, and I'd great. highly recommend it. I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it on this service, blah, 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 all that. But at least we can say Control is great. We gave it our game of the year in 2019. And I, I think that was the right choice, at least for my personal preference as well. I'd give it a couple of days for them to uh, to iron out the the, the kinks right okay. now in the service uh, and then give it a try and see if it runs nicely on your on your on your service. And the service to have my be... fingers crossed for a switch too. <laughs> we'll do maybe a switch pro let's see but all these issues should be hammered out by the time kitman 3 comes out on the cloud version coming to switch on january 10th 2021 the date is actually not confirmed for the switch yet it's coming to other platforms at that time so it might i don't who knows when it's coming to the switch but hopefully it'll be good by now i'm also glossing by some things because i know that odell and i will have a lot to talk about when we get to our pokemon section so. <laughs> <laughs> but we also finally saw some no more heroes 3 footage and a really cool trailer announcing how no more heroes 1 and 2 is now out on the switch eShop. um they are 19.99 each but there's a launch sale right now that makes them 17.99 um no more heroes 1 came out for the wii i think 2 was also for the wii it's been a while it's been a, been a hot minute but uh <laughs> yeah uh no more heroes one and two would you recommend should people pick it up yes if yes. brian was here he would be saying yes buy them okay. 30 times every time they come out check them out check out Love no more them. heroes we'll talk more about no more heroes next week i assume we also got a new trailer for immortals phoenix rising which is out on the third on the nintendo switch there's actually a free demo out for this right now but only on stadia stadia's got the stadia's a great demo machine because you don't have to download anything to play a demo you just kind of Turn it on. There you go. You're playing the demo. Yep. Um, we also got a sort of release date, but a trailer for Story of Seasons: Pioneers of Olive Town. Perry, are you are you excited for this one? I'm. I honestly, I've played so many farming games that I've. I'm kind of. I'm kind of a little burnt out on them. Mm-hmm. Just the kind of like the slow build yeah. and the slow burn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, this is Bokujo Monogatari, they're called in Japan. This is the original uh, Harvest Moon developers. Yeah. You know, Harvest Moon uh, was the title in the West. And like, it looks looks like a throwback to early Harvest Moons, including the the poofy cows. You know, it's got the, <laughs> the, the cute round Harvest Moon cows. And, uh, you know, like, it, it looks good so far. I'm, I'm going to wait for Rune Factory 5 because that actually looks... I figured... <laughs> pretty similar except is missing the fighting and i like i like to that's marvelous too right yeah it is it is marvelous Mm -hmm. um we also got part-time ufo which is out now 
Um, and that was actually a it, it's a mobile game in Japan. It's like part of a series of mobile games from that developer. But I did play a little bit of it last night and I love it. It's very it's, cute. <laughs> it's a great co-op game. Yeah. It is it is a little bit like if you remember the you know the the joy we had with snipper clips. It's a little mm-hmm. bit like that where you have to work together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I played this when it came out on mobile here too and it's it's just very fun and charming. It's it's, it's all about getting good score so you can make money so you can feed into the capitalism of the world because you're an alien <laughs> and you got to buy hats and to make hats to buy hats you got to do work and that's the game but the game is stacked about hats got to stack stuff <laughs> but we also saw tropico 6 which didn't look great on the switch um <laughs> also surviving the aftermath bakugan champions of astroya and griftlands which tom showed me it's like a, a deck building game which Griflands is on like yeah. yeah it's from it's from clay who are fantastic and uh it's been on early in early access on pc for like a year year and a half now mm-hmm. and uh i i'm obsessed love it so like when this comes out on on switch and i think next summer definitely keep your eyes open for it because it's when we're going to be talking about then or at least i am cool i feel like so games like tropico and age of empires and all of that those would be uh those would be good for for streaming for cloud gaming yeah hmm. yeah yeah so we just talked extensively about the final Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase, but now it's time to talk about games out this week that weren't a part of that showcase. Um, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Does anyone on the panel feel strongly about any of these games besides Pikmin 3 Deluxe, which we already discussed? <laughs> uh, I liked, um, Go ahead, Tom. I, I was just going to do a quick shout out to uh, a game called Carto that came cool. out um, on the 27th. It's $20. It's published by Humble Games, who are also owned by our parent companies, if Davis, so full disclosure there. No influence in that regard, though. Um, it's just a very cute little adventure puzzle game where you get to rearrange the map pieces that make up the terrain around you. It's very charming, very cute. I'm not super far into it, but I, I like it a lot so far. Cool. And I'm, did you say it's published by, by Humble Bundle already? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in Oddworld New and Tasty. That's a remake of Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, which I, I liked. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, it, the Oddworld games are kind of flying the face of uh, supposed good game design that's supposed to tell you in advance whether a pit is deadly or a trap will kill you because the, the entire game design is centered around you will die and from <laughs> dying you learn what to do in this level. It's just a really kind of a, a fun conceit for, for a game series and like Oddworld really leans into that by having these kind of pathetic alien creatures that get themselves in trouble in all sorts of nasty and violent ways and uh, I'm looking, looking forward to be made. I also just wanted to mention Dungreed is a 2D side-scrolling pixel art roguelike action platformer. Look at all those bu- buzzwords um, out on the 27th for 15 bucks. And there's also Pixel Puzzle Makeout League, which is a Picross dating sim. It's we'll just a great about- name. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week after Pear inevitably plays it because it's Picross. <laughs> Should I? You have to. It's a Picross game. Uh, it's, like, in your, okay. it's in your contract. I think from hmm. the screenshots, one of the characters you can date is like an anthropomorphic puzzle piece. Okay, well, then I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So we just briefly talked about games out this week that were not included in the final Nintendo Direct Mini. But now I want to talk about games we are playing. And I specifically wanted to talk to Adele about the Crown Tundra DLC. 
Our review on IGN.com is out today. So if it's not out right now, we'll be coming very soon. And I can tell you that the the person, the same person who reviewed the Isle of Armor DLC, Travis Northup, also reviewed this one. And while he gave Isle of Armor a seven, he's giving the Crown Tundra an eight, which is great. And I agree, it is much better better than the Isle of Armor. I also think it's fantastic. He says in his review that it is probably the best content in Sword and Shield. What do you think about that, Odell? No, I completely agree. You can clearly see that. I don't know if this was the original vision for wild areas in the game. This is clearly, you know, leaps and bounds in what we originally got. Because in Isle of Armor, it was cool at first, but kind of once you do the task, it feels empty and lifeless. The Crown Tundra feels like a fully realized environment. Like, you know, it's not just random areas. It flows seamlessly to one area to the next. The story's actually good. Patrick, <laughs> like, it's good while it lasts. I like, it. I wanted it to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, for the, 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 I don't know, hour, hour and a half it took me to, you know, run through it. The Owler Armor feels nice. Like, it just, that feels weird to say. It just, it's just better. Like you said, it's, it's. The Crown Tundra. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I wish, I kind of wish that, honestly, we we got the Crown Tundra as like the whole package. Like the rest of the game was as seamless as that. I completely agree. So yes, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, the Crown Tundra is just a really big, huge wild area. So you have complete control of your camera everywhere you go, including the town that is in the Crown Tundra area. They also introduced a lot of other... I guess features like Dynamax Adventures, I think it's kind of interesting roguelike feature where it's a, a quicker way to do um, your max raids, but you do one after the other. I can get into that, but I'm not going to. It's fine. But one of the things I really liked about the Crown Tundra DLC the most is that once you get to the town, pretty much every all of the story beats are available to you to do in whatever order you want at your leisure, which I think is great and I think is something that I would really appreciate from Pokemon games going forward where you kind of get to a place and like all of your different things you can do just opens up. I don't know that's difficult to do when they're trying to make gyms be a certain level as you progress, but I don't know, maybe a, a more adventure Pokemon game that isn't beholden to gyms would be really cool. It would be, yeah, I, I, I mean, like the kind of Ground Tundra. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild showed that you can make a game that lets you go anywhere and still have difficulty set in. So I would, I would think it's cool. Like, hey, I'm gonna go to this gym. Oh crap, this gym leader has like level 80 Pokemon. That mm-hmm. it's just not gonna happen yet. Yeah, you know, you adventure, you get better, you get stronger, and you show up, and you're like, hey man, what's up? And the game could level up in the sense that if you skip the quintessential first gym, you know, the more badges you have, they'll up level 10 levels or how or what have you. Mm-hmm. Crown Tundra made me believe that I didn't think a free roaming Pokemon game could be possible. The Crown Tundra showed me that the the light the light is on somewhere. They they're they're toying with the idea, and I think they're getting there. Yeah. I have a lot of expectations for Gen Nine. Let me just say that yeah. Gen Nine yeah. has to be a ten out of ten for me at this point. Yeah, I is, was going to ask: Does it feel like because I know Wild Areas came out in Sword and Shield, and people were like, "Oh, this is." this feels like what more Pokemon should be, or it like feels like the basis of like them experimenting and like they should lean into it. Does it feel like that with crown Tundra where it's basically just like, this is them pushing that idea a little bit further and like testing the waters a little bit more. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I really think it is. 
like Casey said, or the fact that the t- there's one town in the Crown Tundra, but you don't like you know walk through it and the game changes back to right. It's seamless with the wild there. You're still walking around. Right. You know, the second you walk from the town, Pokemon will start spawning again. And first, you know, I was just kind of like, it gives you the sense that they should have did all of this from the get go. <laughs> no, I, I I can agree with that. I think it's great. I think it's yeah. It's good. It's really great. I also really like how the Crown Tundra introduces riddles and callbacks from previous Pokemon games. And I like having that extra challenge. It's not just like go to this particular spot in a cave and there's a legendary Pokemon. There's riddles you have to do and that include you having to figure out what items to make your Pokemon hold and mm-hmm. different actions you have to do. And there's a, a really big, I guess, focus on the legendary Pokemon and Legendary Pokemon lore is some of the most interesting in the Pokemon world. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciated it. And it includes a bunch of new and and returning Pokemon. They actually finally, Pokemon finally didn't spoil their own game. They didn't, there are two <laughs> brand new legendary Pokemon in this DLC that they did not market at all. Oh, and was oh. a complete surprise to me. I went and I saw the statue and I was like, what the heck is that? That is not any Pokemon I've ever seen before. And it just made me super excited to keep going to see these brand new Pokemon I didn't know anything about. And I wish I want I want Pokemon to do that more and not spoil, not spoil us. <laughs> oh, I agree. Uh, you the, the the legendary for the Crown Tundra is riding his mighty steed. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's a horse. It's a legendary horse. Wait, that, that, what? That? First, I thought it was a Z grade. I was like, maybe they're trying to psych me out and get excited. Yeah, no, I was like Pokemon. Yeah, I was like, why is he, what kind of horse, that's like, that's not a horse Pokemon I've ever seen. But anyway, I think Odell and I both highly recommend the Crown Tundra. And you can start playing the Crown Tundra from any point in the game, which may or may not be game breaking. But that is a whole other topic. (laughs) Another day. But if you've already played through the regular story, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Go play the Crown Tundra. And by the way, the Galarian Star Tournament is not as difficult as a battle tower i don't know what those pr people were thinking saying that but anyway we have like two more minutes tom and pear did you want to talk about games that we're playing or i just want to say i'm so happy you guys are happy (laughs) (laughs) i could see all your children behind you are excited too so excited i mean yeah yeah, it's nice it's nice to hear that the funny thing that real quick i guess about that is it's it's nice to hear that this is a little bit more of a like a step up from Isle of Armor too, because mm-hmm. the the way that Pokemon did this DLC pass, the fact that you can't buy them separately, it's like now you get to look at the expansion pass a little bit more mm-hmm. as a a unit and say, okay, so both of these are kind of short on their own, but like, does the expansion pass as a whole justify these two things together? I think that's a it's it's nice to be able to look back at pokemon sort of experimental first dlc steps and and evaluate them a little bit more wholly now yeah it's pretty cool and then uh casey one one small news story i don't know if you guys covered it um before but uh, mario 3d all-stars got an update to reverse the reverse the camera i completely forgot yes thank you everyone who added me on twitter about that yes there are now invert camera controls on all of those games in super mario all-stars thank you for reminding me about that pair which yeah, means, they listen to which us. Means, which means it was easy, but they just didn't <laughs> think about it. But I, look, I mean, when when I looked at the controls in, in Pikmin 3, it has so many different configurations now. Hopefully this is just the norm and we don't have to worry about it in the future anymore. 
So that is unfortunately about all we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat this week. Odell, where can they find you elsewhere online? You can find me at Odell Harmer Jr. on all your favorite social media, not including TikTok. I, I haven't posted anything there yet, but I'm there. <laughs> and uh, you can find me at thegamefanatics.com on the interwebs and YouTube. And Tom and Pear, thank you, as always, for joining me for NBC this week. Remember, you can catch NBC every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific time on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to email us at NBC at IGN.com and put question block in the subject line or else I totally lose those emails. We get way too many emails. But yeah, just know that. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the thing. Thing. <laughs> Happy Halloween.